0: You know, even for an for a technology startup like us, you know, even with most of our value coming from our intellectual property uh, and all you know the expensive equipment and research and development that we're operating on the day to day, still our most important and valuable resource is our people and our team.
1: Welcome back to the Innovations at Research Park podcast. Tune into our show to hear insightful conversations on what innovations Research Park students, companies, and alumni are creating. My name is Tom Misha, and I'm joined in this episode by Alex Kostyakov, the co-founder and CEO of Natreon. Natrion is creating safe, high-performance, and highly scalable solid-state batteries with the goal of powering mass-market electric vehicles and renewable energy. With more than two million dollars in seed funding and the backing of giants like Mark Cuban, Alex is on a mission to create batteries without compromises. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: So I think any good story starts from the beginning, right, Alex? Um, so talk to me about the inspiration for this company. Uh, you know what? What was the seed, and and when did it When was it planted?
0: Sure. Um, yeah. So I. I I was a material science engineering student at U of I class of 2023, although I technically haven't graduated yet, but uh, I guess this all started for me even before I got here to Illinois. Uh, While I was in high school, I grew up actually in the New York city area and while I was in high school, had a great opportunity to uh, work over the summers and, uh, you know, before and after school at city college of New York energy Institute. So uh, it was pretty cool. They, uh, as long as I was kind of around the lab, they were able to qualify for some grants by showing engagement with the youth community. So they just wanted me around helping out doing stuff and I got to uh, work on my own things as well. Um, And so the Energy Institute at City College is specifically dedicated to exploring alternative and next generation energy storage technologies for um, primarily clean energy applications. And so. Uh, I kind of got an early start as far as battery research uh, in that working in that role. Um, I was actually really interested in exploring rechargeable batteries, especially for electric vehicles. Uh, There are many issues with electric vehicles right now, especially for mainstream market consumers, and they all kind of come from the batteries that electric cars are made with. So all the five kind of big hitters for most mass market consumers is the fact that, one, electric car models are, at least the good ones, are still pretty expensive, and 75% of the cost of an electric car is the battery that it's made with. Uh, Another thing is that uh, battery safety can still be problematic. So the data, we're starting to collect finally collect good data on this, but electric cars they actually have a lower rate of catching fire than traditional electric, uh, rather non-electric vehicles. Uh, but when an electric car catches fire, it's a lot more severe. Um, and so there's a lot more damage to the vehicle, and the consequences can be a lot worse for the passengers. So fire safety is still a major issue. And then consumers want faster charging and more driving range on a single charge, and that directly comes from battery performance. Um, and then finally, lifespan. So electric cars need to last longer. Um, and you know, you only get kind of a few tens of thousands of miles right now with even the best models uh, is what we're starting to find out. Uh, and that can be even less depending on where in the world you're living and the climate uh, in that area. So anyway, so all these issues with electric cars and, you know, I was, uh, you know, I've I've always, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by electric cars, all cars in general. Um, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so, you know, the, the battery really, the batteries that these cars are made with underpins it all. So that was my interest in, in batteries and battery innovation. And so um, at uh, City College, I started researching what are called solid-state batteries. And so what solid-state batteries are is they're kind of like conventional lithium batteries that electric cars are made with, but uh, unlike regular lithium ion batteries, solid-state batteries don't use any liquid parts. So right now every battery You know, in smartphones and laptops, electric cars, they all use liquid uh, to facilitate charge transfer inside the battery. And that liquid is the most flammable component, and it's also the most performance limiting component. So, if you can replace the liquid inside a battery with solid state materials, uh, you can potentially realize dramatic improvements in the performance and in the the fire stability. So. Yeah, um, I after high school, I was fortunate to be able to attend uh, the University of Illinois, uh, and I started studying material science engineering here. Um, and I kept um, kind of coming back to this idea of a solid state battery uh, based on some work that I did while in high school and, and c- kind of continued on my own out of my, my dorm at UIUC. I was able to get some patents on some solid state battery technology. and so um my co-founder and i we we started Natreon, uh, you know to commercialize that set of patents uh, And so my co-founder he i've known him from high school um, he went on to study finance at indiana so we stayed kind of geographically close um, and so we got the company we really kind of got the company started well in our freshman years uh, i was at illinois he was in indiana and um, that got the ball rolling for us
1: That's such a great story to hear, especially that this exposure you've had since even before coming to Illinois uh, to the research you were doing and the work you were doing, even as a high school student, influencing the idea that you now have turned into a company. And um, I'm curious, you know, do you think this exposure that you had pre-college, had it been in some other area outside of the space you're in now, um, do you think that would have still influenced you to pursue this entrepreneurial route, or do you think the idea is what really appealed you to then go start the company
0: yeah uh, that's a good question um, what I will say is i, I look i have always just really loved the tech and what we're building you know and uh, I've, I've kind of always been the technical co-founder and i'm still very much involved you know our team's grown significantly since we've got nineteen people on our staff now, but I'm still deeply involved in the day to day research and development, even though i'm c e o and have you know kind of mostly business development res- responsibilities these days um, yeah so you know i i love the I love the tech that we're building and you know batteries in particular i think are such an interesting area of innovation just because it's so interdisciplinary i mean they're they're the different components of batteries use such different materials that draw, I mean, there are aspects of, you know, bio-inspired design and um, a lot of kind of very, you know, frontier applied physics, you know, all these different kinds of topics intersecting at this area of application where there's, you know, potential deep impact for people's day-to-day lives, right? Uh, so that's that's always been what's, uh, I don't know, of got me out of bed right in the morning so uh that said you know i so so i guess in that regard i think uh one way or another i always would have found uh myself involved in a startup um although i again in hindsight i'm not you know i, I could have just as well ended up um you know continuing and with my academics and uh trying to get a phd and you know I, I think that's still uh, something i might want to do in my future so because uh, research has always just been, um, you know, one of my main interests. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, even though nature has us consumed so much of, you know, at least the past couple of years of my life, um, at U of I, I still had the opportunity to try new things. And for example, my freshman year, while I was here, I worked as a research assistant at a you know, really cool a lab at a Beckman Institute the Sotos group and completely different from you know, something else completely new and different from batteries, uh the work that I was doing there was um mostly involved with research with uh you know like carbon fiber and other reinforced composites for like literally airplanes and and airframes, so structural materials. So super different from anything I've ever done for, for Natreon or batteries in general. So yeah.
1: Very interesting. So you were talking about the pain points that got you to start this company. Um, And you you spoke a bit about the differentiating factors of the nature on product. Uh, And doing my research on it, I understand it's something um, where the the technology you've created is able to improve charging speeds, the driving range, longevity, as well as safety. On top of these factors, or maybe these are the the, the core pillars, uh, how do you think your product is differentiated from maybe other products in the space from other players?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like I said, right now, the big stumbling block for us, as far as the capability of mainstream market EVs is the shortcomings of lithium ion battery technology. And like I said, all these batteries right now use liquid, and that's the core of almost every problem. Now, the idea of making solid-state batteries is not at all new, you know, as long as you know, lithium-ion batteries have been developed over the past 30 years, and ever since they you know, kind of conceptually originated 30 years ago, people have known that a solid-state battery is a possibility and that there could be a lot of merits to uh, pursuing commercializing solid-state batteries. Now, it's really been a matter of the fact that... Um, yeah, there's been tremendous progress made in academic and national labs towards uh, advanced solid-state battery designs and materials. Uh, the what, Where solid-state batteries kind of always fell apart was when folks tried to bring them, try to commercialize them and bring them into uh, real products in the market. Um, it, it's always been the manufacturability and the scalability. So you know when you replace uh what a liquid does inside of a battery cell is it it actually moves the lithium ions and so by moving lithium ions is how you generate charge and store charge inside the cell now you need if you want to replicate that kind of mechanism with a solid material things get really difficult uh, really quickly uh because moving you know lithium ions through solids uh a lot tougher <laughs> for the than in a liquid and then so What a lot of research has concentrated on is this electrochemical performance aspect of solid state battery materials. But then um, people kind of would end up with this tunnel vision and forget all about the other important properties uh, that a battery component needs to have. So, for example, if you want a battery to be manufacturable using a high throughput, high volume process that's going to be very affordable, then you need to use what's called um, what are called roll to roll processes where you're using rolls of material uh, and having them continuously feed into your process and, and the process occurs in line rather than some kind of batch mechanism. Uh, so that, what all of that means is that you need materials that are very thin and very flexible and solid state materials tend to be the opposite. So everybody who has ever tried to go to market with a solid state battery has used um, has replaced liquids with like ceramic materials and ceramics, as the name implies, are brittle and they have to be thick and they're not very flexible at all and they can crack and have all these mechanical challenges. Um, and that's just one aspect of it. Um, and then you need to optimize, you know, OK, you can, you know, you can, for example, improve the safety of the battery cell, but there's so still so many other qualities you need to optimize, such as charging speed, uh, the longevity and so forth. Um, and so, what's really different about us is, uh, you know, we started from the beginning by constraining ourselves to materials that we knew would be highly manufacturable. We said, okay, we're going to only look at these materials because they're going to be thin and flexible and compatible with roll to roll processes. And we'll be able to integrate them on existing lithium ion battery manufacturing lines with minimal process or machinery uh, modifications. And so, that will ensure that at least when we figure out the material, our go-to-market is going to be a lot more streamlined uh, because we know the material will will work with the established battery manufacturing infrastructure. Uh, so once we constrained ourselves to kind of those, uh, kind of to those engineering limitations, we then started to optimize the material that would be able to move lithium ions quickly. And it was it was a it was a lot of work, and it was a, a, a research approach that was a lot more difficult certainly than probably. Um, how other folks have arrived at solid state battery materials, but uh, we believe it's paying off because what we're able to essentially do now is go to everybody who's already in the lithium ion battery manufacturing space and tell them, look, all you need to do is take this new material that we make, integrate it on your existing line, take out the step where you add liquid to the battery cell, and you're going to have a battery cell that's going to charge more quickly, that's going to have more energy pound for pound that's gonna be much more stable, much safer, uh, and potentially last longer. So for example, we've demonstrated battery cells with a 50% improvement in energy density, so 50% more energy on a per unit of weight basis. So the same size battery cell is now gonna give you 50% more driving range on a single charge, and that can fundamentally undo some of the range anxiety that consumers have right now. We've also demonstrated battery cells with charging as fast as 30 minutes, and are working in the lab right now to get that down to 15 minutes. And you know, that's, again, that's because we've gotten rid of the liquid. Uh, we're able to push more current through the battery cell without destabilizing it. So we can have that faster charging without any negative repercussions. And that's gonna be, of course, very important to EV consumers. But again, doing all of this in a way that you know, big battery manufacturers and, and the big electric vehicle companies that have already built gigafactories are already operating at scale are going to be able to adapt this technology and actually get it out to market in the near term uh, for a wide range of consumers and that's something that you know, we really don't see even other current solid state battery players in this space being able to do you know, at best other solid state battery technologies will only make it to really kind of top luxury market ev models maybe several years from now just because of the challenges they're gonna have getting to scale um, and to volume.
1: So then from that standpoint, who are you targeting your product to specifically? And uh, is there a specific kind of demographic or specific kind of audience that you're looking to gain traction with?
0: Yeah, Uh, so most of our, so we're we're a B2B uh, proposition. So our, our customers, our ideal customers are large battery cell manufacturers. So you could think, Um, you know, Panasonic's and LG's and those types. uh, So, for example, um, LG, that is actually somebody we have partnered with, LG Energy Solution, and we are able to talk publicly about. So, LG Energy Solution is the second biggest battery cell manufacturer in the world, Uh, and their customers are, you know, General Motors, Ford, Tesla, Honda, uh, Hyundai, some of these really large automotive brands. Uh, So they're fantastic, and they're building up gigafactories all over the United States. I mean, they've announced. I think over 400 gigawatt hours of cell manufacturing capacity, they're going to build out in North America. Um, they've been already broken ground on plants in Tennessee, Ohio, all over the place. So we're really proud to be working with them. And they're perfect, like I said, that's that's the kind of customer we want to work with because LG is somebody that has for the past 30 years been trying to figure out how to get lithium ion to scale and how to perfect lithium ion. And now, you know, Everybody who's come to them with solid state before has told them that they have to you know, completely change all of, everything about their manufacturing process. That's what we want to avoid. We know that the lowest path of resistance to get a novel technology like ours to market and in the hands of consumers is by keeping as much of the process the same. Um, now, outside of automotive, you know, there's a lot of other potential applications for our technology. We work with consumer electronics companies So folks working on smartphones um, and then uh, we also do a lot of work with the U.S. Department of Defense uh, and specifically high performance using our materials to enable uh, high performance batteries for aerospace applications, space vehicles. Uh, So something we're trying to do is get batteries made with our materials uh, qualified for use in manned and unmanned spacecraft Uh, and spacecraft, you know, battery safety is obviously, Incredibly important. Uh, anything goes wrong in space, and um, yeah, there's there's probably not much you can do to fix it. Uh, and that is such a, a tough environment for a battery to survive in as well, because of how much the temperature swings. Because even things like impact for micrometeorites, right? A traditional battery cell, an impact like that will cause a short circuit, and the cell will fail. And almost, you know, it's entirely likely it'll catch fire. Um, but uh, so that's, those are the kinds of things that um, we can prevent with our technology.
1: Got it. And in the beginning of your, uh, of the episode, we were discussing how you have a patent around uh, this technology. Um, so what learnings did you gain from this patent application process that uh, maybe you know, you weren't expecting or maybe something that you um, kind of found to be a bit more difficult than initially expected?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, fortunately, and, and look, I I kind of went into this. I, I knew nothing outside of you know just uh, the little bit of work I had done on batteries. And so we we've, we've been very fortunate to have been able to bring aboard really great advisors um, who have, and, and mentors who have helped us every step of the way. And, In fact, um, one of the first things we did as a company was take part in the University of Illinois iVenture Accelerator. Uh, and so something I think that iVenture and uh, the research park community at the University of Illinois it do really well is advising startups with intellectual property and, and IP strategy. So for us as a deep technology company in such a competitive space uh, you know, as we're in, yeah, our intellectual property is everything. It's uh, <laughs> you know, probably the most important part of our value as a company. And in fact, our you know we're prim- probably going to be sourcing most of our revenue down the road from licensing. Our technologies to larger companies like LG's of you know the LG's of the world so yeah I you know I had aii I've I've learned a whole lot about the patent process you know it, it's interesting um I think the main thing is just like you know discipline right it's you know capturing you know on, on a daily basis we do so much in in the lab we run so many different types of experiments produce so much data and it's data that either refutes an idea or you know gives it some promise right and so I think what we've what we've learned to do pretty well and what we practice better than perhaps other companies is really great documentation uh and really great capture of all the data that we produce, all the experiments and iterations of our materials that that we create and ultimately what happens is we centralize all of this uh we have internal frameworks and databases that we, you know, centralize all of these activities. And so, and then what we do on a regular basis is, so Duke, our chief technology officer, he handles our intellectual property strategy and he's done an absolutely killer job at this, is then, you know, going through and figuring out what's actually valuable um, right now for our current commercial engagements, what can be valuable for commercial engagements down the road. And then we start working together with our intellectual property Uh, attorneys and figuring out what filings we need to make. I think what a lot of people get bogged down, you know, as a, I've seen a lot of other hard tech early stage startups get bogged down by this is everybody thinks that they need to flex the number of patents that they have, right? Uh, Everybody's like, if you're able to say you have 30 patents as opposed to 12, you know, that somehow makes you better or more investable and maybe it does, you know, some investors will genuinely take you more seriously if you're able to say a larger number of patents. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is like you also need to, as a hard tech startup, I mean, you have enormous operational capital expenditures and tacking on the, every patent. If you're doing international patent filings, every patent filing is going to be in the thousands of dollars and that's before maintenance fees. So actually you want to minimize the number, probably initially minimize the number of patents you're filing and try to make every patent count as much as possible. And that's something we really had to learn how to do the hard way. And then people would ask us, well, how, why do you have so few patents? Well, I'm like, well, if you look at the actual filing, we've been able to pile in three, four inventions in there instead of making three, four different uh, filings. And that's, you know, we saved a whole bunch of money on that, that we were able to deploy towards R&D. So. yeah, but you know, that all took trial and error to figure out and uh like I said, fortunately we had great mentorship that helped uh guide us in that direction and uh have worked with some really excellent IP attorneys and continue to do that. So um yeah, that's yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you say it very humbly, right? You, you went through trials and tribulations and you have great mentors, mentors, mentors and mentorship going on. Um, but even just the example you gave there about um, finding a way to minimize the maintenance fees that you're paying for patents, you know, that's something that for somebody of your age and somebody of your background who doesn't have coming from, a, at least from on paper, a business or financial background. Uh, Those are things that you really just have to learn as you go. So, you know, where did this... you know, what was that ramp up like for you to gain this experience in being a CEO? Um, you know, of course, you, you've gone through accelerators, you've gone through uh, perhaps even coursework that has taught you more about how to navigate these situations of running a company. But how do you balance that in your mind, you know, what is the mental model of um, keeping up to date with the technology that your company is working on and the IP, but also uh, upskilling yourself uh, as a business leader?
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. That's a good <laughs> where to begin. Um like I said, we we were fortunate to get a lot of help and uh yeah, outside of Illinois, iVenture Accelerator, we took part in Cozad um I think in 2021. Um and so Cozad was a phenomenal program and, and we we were actually awarded as as the winners in 2021, which really helped uh jump start out, you know, everything for us and get us you know, attention from VCs and investors. We've also done um, Mass Challenge Boston. Um, so that's another great startup accelerator. And then NYU Endless Frontiers Lab. And even right now, you know, we're gearing up for our second round, uh, our second race, our second venture capital race. And we're still in a couple of accelerators, the Rice Clean Energy Accelerator and the Amazon Web Services uh, Clean Energy Lab. Um, so I, I highly, which is all to say, like if, if you're a if you're a deep tech uh, hardware startup founder, uh, accelerators are fantastic resources. Not just because of all the free stuff they give you, or usually give you, but just like the exposure to networks and the mentorship and all the support you'll get to learn, you know exactly these things, right? If you're a technical co-founder and these are things you need to learn, there's no better place than an accelerator. Uh, that's I feel like especially the right ones that's exactly what they're designed to do and so i've I've never had a bad experience with the accelerators we've been a part of fortunately um but then ultimately it all kind of you know necessity has driven everything you know everything i've learned and uh, all the adaptations and pivots our company went through Uh, so for example um you know a really extreme example is when we started in i-venture we Natreon was not an electric vehicle battery technology startup. What we wanted to do was completely different. Um we wanted to use our technology to make essentially really big battery packs for people to put in their garages and hook up to their rooftop solar systems so that these batteries would provide backup power um, when the solar panels were generating less or, or not as much um energy due to the you know variability of, of sunlight. So uh, and, and provide, you know, backup power and a utility grid power outage, for example. That was the idea. And really quick you know, one of the best things that, the, you know, the folks that I've ever did was just shoot that idea down and show us just like, you know, not that it was not so much not feasible, just how difficult of a proposition. And, you know, it's a couple of things. One, it's a very small market that we would have to sink a lot of, you know, capital expenditure and time into to reach. Um, And we'd essentially be delivering a consumer product and we'd have considerations like needing to market and having a sales team and all these things. Um, What we've got right now is a lot leaner with a lot bigger market that we're targeting in automotive. Uh, But iVenture helps facilitate that for us. Now, you know, and and during that process, the other thing is like, um, you know, it's... uh, (laughs) it really kind of is a, a kind of Darwinism. So as a founder, I think one of your main responsibilities is raising money, at least if you're a hard tech founder. I mean, you're never gonna get deep tech built unless you raise some money to do the R&D and the validation that you need to do. Uh, batteries are an extreme case of this where, you know, battery R&D is almost as expensive as, pharma- you know, developing pharmaceuticals or biotechnology products um, just because of the, you know, the you know, what these materials are and the complexity of battery systems. Um, and so in the battery startup market is especially well known as a graveyard. I think there was some stati- there's some statistics that like, since 2008, only like 32 battery startups have raised more than half a million dollars. And out of those, something like two or three have actually become profitable, right? And so, <laughs> so when you go to investors with a battery startup, um, they're pretty inclined to you know, shoo you away and turn you down pretty pretty early on in your conversations. And so we had to you know I probably took I don't know, three hundred investor meetings until somebody told us that they were genuinely interested in potentially putting some money in, right? And so each time we had to refine our pitch and our business proposition and our technology milestones and our um you know what we wanted to you know a commercial roadmap and so forth. Um and like i said that kind of you know we just really wanted to get this thing built and ultimately we tried to be as coachable and as we could be uh, with our mentors and from investors and take everybody's feedback and um and really keep uh iterating and pivoting and finally we arrived at a biz proposition that we were able to raise some money at yeah
1: I think that's a fantastic way you just described it. I think being coachable is, is the number one quality, if not, you know, if not number one, at least one of the top three qualities that any uh, entrepreneur should have. Um, if you could go back and talk to yourself from, you know, the Alex from five years ago when, when you started Natrion uh, and, and the start of this whole crazy ride, what would you tell yourself, uh, you know, 2018 Alex?
0: <laughs> wow um yeah you know i uh, we, we 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 made mistakes we made a lot of mistakes fortunately not nothing too big that has you know has, kind of <laughs> has gotten us into too much trouble or you know kind of ended things uh, for the startup but um yeah you know nothing i would say every part of this journey has been very rewarding um, and even like yeah, we don't get me wrong. There were very have been some very difficult months and years to all of this, uh, but uh, I, none of it is anything I regret. Um, the one thing I would say is like, again, and I don't know the extent to which I could have taken advice on this versus I just had to learn it experientially, but, um, you know, even for an RN for a technology startup like us, you know, even with most of our value coming from our intellectual property uh, and all you know the expensive equipment and research and development that we're operating on the day to day, still our most Im- important and valuable resource is our people and our team. And I think that's something that from the outset I didn't take as seriously. You know, my co you know I, <laughs> my co founder is fantastic, and and our core team that right now, our our leadership, you know, I. I don't even know how we've been able to get some of these people aboard. I mean, uh, we're, yeah, we're truly fortunate to have some of these guys who have done so much already in their careers and now bring all of that to this team. But at least in the beginning, when I was just starting to kind of build our research and development teams, I made a lot of mistakes and uh, not, you know, just again, like things um, uh, maybe I just uh, didn't take team building as seriously as I should have. But I've definitely, I've definitely learned from all of that. But yeah, if I could give myself one piece of advice is that like really take team building seriously, especially your first couple of hires, your number two, number three, number four employee, they need to be really stellar people with, you know, they need to bring tremendous value add to your team. Um, And uh, if they're not doing that, you're going to run into a whole bunch of problems. Um, And that's exactly what happened to us. So um, yeah, an emphasis on... uh, team building and getting the right talent aboard. Well,
1: the last question that I have for you is, you know, it's been fantastic hearing about the journey that Natron has had so far and the number of different achievements you've had. And I mentioned, you know, some big names in the introduction as well. Uh, Given all of this, this um, achievement and and all these milestones, and more importantly, all this funding that you've been getting, uh, what's on the roadmap for this next year as well as for let's say the next three years?
0: Uh, yeah, we, at this stage, we've raised, uh, over three and a quarter million actually in seed funding. Um, and that might sound like a lot, but actually we're compared to other battery startups, we're very lean. I mean, a typical battery seed is 10 million or something like that. And that's something our investors really value, I think is you know, how much, how we've been able to do so much with so little money. But, um, yeah, all that said, um really so what our seed round was for was so that we could run evaluations and qualification pilots with uh, different end user customer partners such as lg you know to show them to to build actual prototype battery cells with our materials inside of them validate these uh, technology claims that we're making validate these benefits um, and do this with uh, with commercial partners and with third parties. Uh, that was the whole goal of the seed. And uh, yeah, I, think, I think we're getting close to really fulfilling all of those technology aims that we had for the seed round. And what's next for us is actually scale up um, and getting to market. So what we need to do is build a production line to manufacture our solid state electrolyte material in bulk, a high volume. And so we can do factory floor integration pilots with our partners, uh, start making Entire batches of cells and actual prototype electric vehicle battery packs. Get those qualified, and and get this material into EVs that are on the road um, and in the hands of consumers. So what we're up to right now is raising our Series A round of funding, specifically specifically to build out that pilot production line, um, and then um, and and to run those large scale pilots. And then on the defense side, uh, we've you know in the past couple of years, we've managed to win a couple of defense research and development contracts to do similar technology validation work. And similarly, now on the defense side, we want to win some larger contracts that would be actual uh, in which we'd actually be doing field testing with different stakeholders within uh, different government stakeholders where, uh, again, like, you know, would our our products would be in the field and in use and and getting qualified to different safety and performance standards. Uh, So ultimately, the the next wave of contracts that we'd get from the federal government would be actual purchasing contracts so we think we can arrive at sales from both our government and commercial channels as soon as 2025 uh, But that's going to require us to be able to complete a lot of scale up legwork and raise a lot of money um, by 2024 so uh, we'll do our best in that regard <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I
1: wish you all the best and it it sounds like you're going to be just fine, you know, from, from, uh, from what I'm hearing here. So, um, those are all the questions that I have for you, Alex. Is there anything that you want to make sure that the listeners, uh, know about or that they, that they should keep in touch with?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I'll add is, you know, right now, like I mentioned, most, we have a team of 19 and almost everybody is based at our main facility here in the university of Illinois research park at enterprise works. Um, I think Research Park is a fantastic community uh, for startups, whether from Illinois or otherwise. Um, And it's just uh, we really really benefited from being a part of this community, from being involved with the U of I. And I would also say that um, I'm very glad that I ended up in Champaign. I think U of I has some of the best resources for students, no matter to what extent they want to look at entrepreneurship as a career um, or as just a field of interest. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think the the university does a fantastic job and research park as well. And, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're really glad to have been able to benefit from all that.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, if the listeners do want to listen to more episodes similar to this one, uh, we have a website, researchpark.illinois.edu slash podcast. You can check out the entire catalog of episodes there um and we have another exciting episode of course coming next month in september uh we have something cool planned for the start of the new school year so stay tuned for that and stay tuned for alex and what he's up to uh i believe it's nature right that's the the website Correct. for your company
0: working on natureon.com. yep gotcha gotcha <laughs> we'll okay. get it one day
1: yep yep excellent excellent well thanks again alex and thank you to everyone who listened and we'll see you next time